Today I'm talking to you about two different judgment seats, two different judgment seats. And it's important that the body of Christ, I believe, hears this message. We've been in a series called Rooted. God wanted me to go back to some of our foundational teachings, our fundamentals. We're in a world that's always changing. They have all these opinions they're pushing down all the time. You gotta believe this, this is what's truth. This is my truth, you should believe my truth because I say it and I've got four million followers on Instagram and they all believe it's truth. What God says is true, my friend. What God says is true. But this conversation about the judgment seats, you don't hear a lot about it anymore. But the Bible tells us something in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11. It says, God has set eternity in our hearts. And we need to get back to that calling, to that assignment that you are connected to the eternal, that this world is passing away. These kingdoms, these systems, the platforms we build, the fame we create, all of it is passing away, but there is a kingdom that will know no end. There is an eternity that you're a part of that's greater than all of us, and we have opportunity on this side of eternity, and what happens on this side of eternity affects what we get to be a part of on that side of eternity. This conversation about judgments is really important. Please write that verse down, by the way, Ecclesiastes 3.11, with your notebooks. Ecclesiastes 3.11, our lives need to be led by a sense of eternity. So many times we get caught up in the temporal. You know, this person's mad at me, or I need to pay this bill, or society's getting involved in all this craziness. There is something more than all of this. And I want to remind you of that. These things are passing away. Amen. Now, this isn't one of those things that say disengage with your life and just think about heaven. That's not where we're going. What I'm saying is be very engaged in this world, but be engaged with a sense of eternity in it. Work on purpose. There is an urgency to what you do, and there's an accountability for what you do. I love the conversation about judgment seats. We're going to talk about the judgment seat of Christ. Say, judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to talk about the great white throne judgment. I love this conversation because to me, it has two thoughts involved in it. Number one, accountability. Write it down, accountability. We're accountable, and I like being accountable. It's good that we're accountable, amen? That's a good thing, that we have accountability. But there's also a sense of reward. Say reward. So the judgment seat of Christ, the great white throne judgment. There's accountability and reward. We got my little judgment seat here. <laughs> do you like that? So if I need your attention today, I'm going to do this. Listen. The judgment seat of Christ, the great white throne judgment. Now, I want to put some air back in your lungs right now. Because some individuals are like, oh, great. This is going to be one of those messages where we're just like fear and trembling. Listen. There is a sobering thought in the idea that we will stand before Christ and there is judgment to come. But there's also a beautiful thought that everything you have done for the Lord, God sees and writes it down. That even if people in this life don't celebrate it, you know what, there's coming a day where God himself will say, I saw it. I saw the choices you made. I saw the sacrifices you made. When no one else saw you living for me and no one celebrated your right choices, I celebrated and today is a day of reward. Today is a day of blessing, amen. Today is a day that God gets to say, well done, my good and faithful servants. 
Amen. And so I want you to understand this is not this message that's here to bring you fear. It's one to bring you a sense of awareness, of accountability, and reward. I want to show you a timeline real quick on the screen just to kind of help you with the, the picture of kind of how things are going to wrap up here in the world. We can show you that timeline. Try to draw that in your notes, if you would, please, because it's just going to help. Now, I know there's all kinds of views, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, no-trib, we're in the trib, who knows what trib. <laughs> I'm not here to debate where you stand on it, but these events will unfold in one way or another, and then the end shall come. So we can all agree on those things. But this is a timeline that I'd like to just start with as a framework. So the cross, that was Jesus coming in the flesh, dying on a cross for our sins to give us access, to give us right standing with God by grace through faith. Amen. By grace through faith. Then all of a sudden now we're in the, the, the church age where we have this much time to do what God has called us to do as the church. We're sending out missionaries. We're planting churches. We're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're trying to help every single person come to know Jesus. That's important. Amen? It's not enough that just Jesus died. People need to accept his offer, his sacrifice. They need to accept this free gift of grace. So we do have a responsibility. How will they know unless somebody tell them? And so we have a window of time. This is important because sometimes we just get comfortable thinking things will always go on and on and on, but there will be an end. There will be an end. And what does that do? It creates a sense of urgency. It creates a sense of responsibility. Amen. If we're like, oh, if we don't do it, the next generation, if we don't do it, the next generation, we're going to run out of time. There is a time. And so we have this much time before that rapture of the church. So there's a rapture of the church. We call it the catching away, where those who are alive and those that have died in Christ will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Woo! Pastor Manny taught on that a few weeks ago. Almost jumped out of my seat. I'm excited about the coming of the Lord. Amen. The rapture of the church, the catching away of the body of Christ. But you'll notice in this in particular rapture, Jesus doesn't come back to the earth at that time. He catches us to meet him in the air. Okay? So then in that period of time between the rapture of the church and between what you'll see here, that little crown with the arrow coming down, the second coming, there's like a seven-year window. It's like a seven-year window. You can call it the great tri the, the tribulation. There's the lesser tribulation and the greater tribulation, three and a half years, three and a half years. We're not going to get into all that today. Some of you could teach that far better than me, and that's awesome. But I want you to see something in that seven years. In that seven years, there's a marriage supper of the Lamb that's going on. There's stuff going on in heaven during that period of time on the earth. And one of the things going on in heaven is the marriage supper of the Lamb, but there's also the, the judgment seat of Christ. That's where that goes. Okay? After that seven years, there's the second coming. This time, Jesus touches the earth. And I love that one. Because when his foot touches the earth, the Mount of Olives splits in two. Amen? And he sets up a throne in Jerusalem. Come on. And for 1,000 years, he reigns in a millennial reign. We forget these things. And at the end of that thousand years, during that thousand years, the devil is bound, 
and people will be getting saved through that thousand years. Society will, will go on over that thousand years, and Jesus will reign live and in person. That's pretty awesome. At the end of that thousand years comes the end, the great white throne judgment to where everyone who's ever lived stands before God, the books are opened, and it's a powerful time where things kind of come to a climax, come to a conclusion. Isn't that amazing? And then after that comes a new heaven and a new earth, and eternity truly begins. Do you see that timeline? Do you have it in your heart? Do you see where the judgment seat of Christ is? And you see the great white throne judgment. Two different things. But I just want you to kind of follow me on that timeline. All right, let's get into this then today. You can take that down. Judgment seat of Christ. Open up your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Romans, chapter 14. Romans, chapter 14. In Romans 14, let's go into verse 9. We'll start in verse 9. We're going to go from 9 to 12. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be the Lord of both the living and the dead. So why do you condemn another believer... Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. See, he's talking about believers. And why are you judging another believer? Every believer will stand themselves before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, like all of us in this time period will be either caught up to meet the Lord in the air in that rapture, or if you die before that, then you'll be caught up, you know, with him in that time. And so either those that are alive and remain or those that went on before us, all that grouping of believers are going to go stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So all the believers up to this point, not the ones moving forward into the millennial reign, but the ones before that. Are you, are you following me? All those believers, either dead or those that are alive, will all have a time before the judgment seat of Christ. For the scripture says, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me, every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I love that the motivation of that was to say, look, you don't need to spend your time judging other believers. They're going to have their own time before Jesus. You don't need to be their judge. Come on. And I don't need to be their judge. They'll stand before Christ. So let's busy ourselves by loving each other and helping each other. Amen? That a good word? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Just a few pages over. First, or sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 10 through 15. Because God's grace to me, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. So the Apostle Paul is saying, I've laid the foundation like I should, the early church, like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. I want you to know here he's talking to believers and he's talking to them about what they do as you all help build the church as you all help build the body of Christ as we move forward. He's not talking to unbelievers. Unbelievers are not building on the foundation of the apostles. 
He's talking to believers who are living their life and doing things for the kingdom and doing things for the, for the Lord and all this stuff. He's saying, be careful how you build on the foundation. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already that has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation, which again, I'm telling you, is believers. Because non-believers are not going to be building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on that judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. Say reward. Reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer a great loss. The builder will be saved. The builder will be saved. This is not a judgment about whether you're going to heaven or not. Are you understanding this? You've been caught up. You've been raptured. You've been resurrected. You've met the Lord in the air. We're standing before him not to decide whether or not we get to stay. If he didn't want to take you with him, he wouldn't have brought you. <laughs> Are you understanding? You're not going to get up there and him go, oops, reject, send him back. This is not about your salvation. Amen. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. But this is about what you do with your life. This is about what you do with your choices. This is about what you do. There is accountability and there is reward. Are you hearing me? This isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. The builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like somebody barely escaping through a wall of flames. I have an idea of what the fire is. In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 14, you can write it down, look at it later. The Bible talks about Christ, and it talks about a picture of Jesus, and he has a fire in his eyes. My personal belief is that the fire in his eyes is the fire that will judge our works. Because as you stand before Jesus one-on-one, -on -one, and he looks through our choices, and he looks through our building, and he looks through our lives, he looks through what he called us to do, he looks to how we built with the materials we built with. Did we build with pride, or did we build with love? Did we build for our own notoriety, or did we build for his? Are you understanding this? Praise God, you will be saved. Thank God. But my friends, there is an accountability, and the fire in Jesus' eyes can see through our motive, can see through all the stuff, all the fake faces we put on in church. And we're like, no, 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 we were doing it for Jesus. And the fire in his eyes will look at our work, and it'll burn up and consume anything that was not made with pure metal, with pure motive. Amen? I think it's just Jesus looking at our lives and kind of going through it with us. Now, I want you to know something. I believe the Lord is looking into our lives for the purpose of reward because he wants to reward. This is a time when we stand before him where he's wanting to distribute well done, good and faithful servant. 
He's wanting to distribute reward for faithfulness. But, you know, in that judgment, we're going to see things as they're judged, and we're going to be like, that, I get it. I get it. That was, that was for me. That wasn't something that was with pure heart or pure motive. God, I get it. But I want you to know that he's not sitting here looking to find fault. But he will see everything with truth and honesty. Are you understanding that? But he will reward openly. He will reward openly. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 through 10, speaking of this, says, Therefore, whether we are at home on the earth away from him, or away from home and with him, we are constantly ambitious and strive to earnestly to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive his pay, his reward, according to what he has done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purposes and motives had been, and what he has achieved and been busy with and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. In this verse, you see how Paul was trying to use this message of a judgment seat of Christ. It, he wasn't trying to use it to make people afraid or second guess whether or not they would be saved or whether or not they would go to heaven. That is not what this is about. But there is an accountability saying, we know we're going to stand before God. We need to live on purpose. We need to, to buy up the time and to not waste our lives and to not put off for tomorrow what we should be doing today. So there's an ambition that gets involved. There's a sense of urgency that gets involved. Are you understanding this? that you will stand before God one day, you will stand before Christ one day, and he'll measure our lives. And he'll say, I gave you a calling, I gave you a, a command, I gave you a, a ministry, I gave you a talent. What did you do with the talents? Did you bury them? Or did you invest them and use them? And the thing is, we all stand before Jesus on our own. Your wife is not there, your husband is not there, other people are not there, so you can't sit there and say, well, because of so-and-so, I didn't do Jesus what I was supposed to do. Because them, there is no them there. It's you and the Lord. Are you understanding this? And Paul was saying this should help us work harder and to become more aware of our lives and not let years go by with excuse after excuse of why you haven't written the book yet, of why you haven't started the ministry yet, of why you haven't gone on the missions trip yet, of why you haven't shared your faith yet. And we put off, and we put off, and we put off. We forget there is an accountability to our days. This isn't me trying to be harsh. This isn't me trying to be condemning. This is me reminding us that we have an appointment. And to have an awareness that what we do and how we live is important. I love the grace message. I love the grace message. I preach the grace message. But the grace message needs to be understood that you are saved by grace through faith. 
not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. But you are saved by grace unto good work. Unto good work. There are works not to be saved, but now that you are a believer, there is an assignment on your life. There is a calling on your life. You can't sit there and play video games for the rest of your life and just get to heaven one day and God not sit there and say, my friend, there was more for you to do. I know you were like the number one player on Fortnite, but like I had more. I had more. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, if God gave you a skill in video games and you say, Lord, how can I connect my video game fame to preaching the good news of Jesus? Now, man, you use that Fortnite platform. You build a church in the game. You can do altar calls and they can do like this at the altar or whatever you need to do. But I'm tell what I'm trying to remind us is we have an appointment. This is not about whether or not you're going to heaven. You are saved by grace through faith. Saved by grace through faith. Not one of your works will qualify you to go to heaven. Not one of your works is good enough to make yourself acceptable to God. But you will have an appointment to give an account for your days and what you did. God gave you a gift. God gave you an anointing. God gave you a call. Did you use it or did you shelf it? Did you, did you, did you activate it or did you delay it? Did you let someone else intimidate you so you wouldn't pursue it and you listen to their word versus God call over your life? You will have to give an account and you can't say, well, they told me I wasn't good enough because God's word said you were called, because the Holy Spirit said you were called. And you need to, oh my goodness, come on now. Come on now. You cannot use that excuse because the eyes of Jesus sees through it. And he gave you great and precious promises, and he gave you everything you need for every good work. So there are no excuses when you stand before him. You will still be saved. You will still go to heaven. But you will be shown what you could have done. And that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because if we see that now on this side of eternity, it wakes us up. It's sobering. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Accountability is a good thing. Amen? But just to make sure your heart is at peace about the condemnation thing. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns... You will be full of courage, not shrink back from him in shame. You're connected to Christ. God wants you to be full of courage when he comes. Don't fear his coming. Amen? If you fear his coming, then you don't understand his love for you. His perfect love can cast out that fear. You've been perfected in love. When you understand he loves you, he's coming for you. He wants to be with you. He's not looking to condemn you. You have put faith in him. He has, he has, um, he has forgiven you. He has cleansed you. He's made you so holy you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You understand that? Like in the Old Testament, if someone touched the Ark of the Covenant, they would die because they weren't holy. But now... The presence of God that was on that Ark of the Covenant lives in you daily. That's how holy you are. Isn't that amazing? You're as holy, even more holy than what the Ark of the Covenant was in the Old Testament. 
That's awesome. They, used, they were not allowed to go into God's presence, and now God's presence dwells in you. God wants you to not be scared of his coming. Don't be scared of his coming. But at the same time, it's sobering. It's sobering to know that I have an appointment and I'll stand before him and I want, God, help my motives. God, check my motives. God, check the work that I'm doing. I don't want to build KevinKringleMinistries.com. Amen? I want to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? But that's the same for you. If God does bless you with fame, if God does bless you with followers, may you constantly point them to Jesus. May you constantly point them to Jesus. There's nothing wrong with people seeing your life of influence. Just make sure somewhere in there, there's something eternal. Remember, eternity is set in our hearts. There's something eternal about that platform that God's given you. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You belong to Jesus. You've already been judged, and the judgment was put on Jesus. Amen. This time, this judgment seat of Christ for you, the believer, is not about whether or not you get to go to heaven or get to be with him in eternity. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. John chapter 5, verse 24. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. It's not on your works. You believe in God? Raise your hand. You believe the message of Jesus? Raise your hand. You have eternal life. Celebrate that. I have eternal life. Woo! I have eternal life. They, listen, I love this. I, I love this. They will never be condemned for their sins. They have already passed from death to life. They have already passed from death to life. So when we get caught up or when we get resurrected up, either way, and we meet the Lord in the air, and we go into that seven-year window, and we go stand before that judgment seat of Christ, and he begins to judge on how we built on that foundation. That is not about whether or not you have eternal life. It's about the quality of your work. It's about what you did with your talent, what you did with your time, what you did with your influence, the choices that you made. And again, his motivation there isn't to sit there and say, aha, See, you could have done better. Aha, uh -huh, you were such a bad job there. Aha, uh -huh, I found you out. That is not what he's trying to do. The reason for this judgment is to receive reward. It's payday. Come on. You know, there are certain legal battles that people go through, but at the end of it, it's not always bad. It's, and you are awarded $10 million. And you're like, yeah, Jesus. $10 million. It's an award, reward. Are you understanding? Can you see this? It's like, it's the purifying conversation. It's, it's also this beautiful thing because of his rating system. I love that. Think about this. 
He's going to rate you based on what he called, not rate you. He's going to judge or kind of evaluate what you did according to what he called you to do, right? Were you doing what he called you to do? Or were you so busy trying to do what he called somebody else to do that you didn't do what he called you to do? You understand? Too many people are trying to be Billy Graham because we're like, wow, look at, look at that. But if God didn't, call, God didn't call you to be Billy Graham, he called you to your assignment. He knows the gifts he put inside of you. He knows the calling he put inside of you. Were you faithful to do what he called you to do? Amen. Did you get up in the morning with a sense of purpose and a sense of eternity in your heart? Did you get up and say, Lord, I want to be about my father's business? Or was there always excuses, always reasons, always delays? There's going to be a day where we have to give account. And his purpose, again, is to divvy out reward. Let me show you another illustration, and we'll get into the great white throne judgment. But look, just write this down, read it later. Luke chapter 19, verse 15 through 26. Luke chapter 19, verse 15 through 26. This is a parable that Jesus teaches about the kingdom. And there's a landowner, and he, has, he gives out all these talents to different individuals. But then, at the end, there's a day of judgment, of assessment. And he comes up to one, and he says, what did you do with the talent I gave you? And he said, I took my talents, and I invested them. I multiplied them. I did something to use, use those talents and grow your business. And God says, well done, faithful servant. Go be ruler over 10 cities. And then another servant comes up and he says, what did you do with what I gave you? And he says, well, I took what you gave me and I invested it and I multiplied it like five times or something like that. And he says, you go, well done, go be faithful and rule over five cities. And then this third servant comes up and he says, what did you do with what I gave you? And he said, I didn't do anything with it. I buried it. I was too scared. I was scared I was going to lose it. I was scared of who knows what, what people were going to say. I was scared of you, the master, when you returned. I had all these reasons of why I didn't do anything. And he calls him a wicked servant. And he takes away what he has and he says, give it to the one who has ten cities. And he says, people say, well, why are you giving it to him? He has so much. He says, because to the one who has, more will be given. I want you to just see in this story that God does care about fruit. And he cares about return. And he cares about your life having impact. And he cares about what he put inside of you, doing something with what he put inside of you. And not just sitting around being saved. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? Just sitting around saying, well, I, I am saved, I am saved, I am saved. God loves me, God loves me, God loves me. I'm saved, I'm saved, God loves me. All of that is so true. That's awesome. But now you're not dead and you have 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of being saved. And my friend, you weren't just saved, you were filled. Filled with anointing, filled with purpose, filled with gifts, filled with callings, filled with the Word of God. And so praise God that you are saved, but what about the other individuals? The rest of your family, your neighborhood, your workplace, the world. Amen. I'm so glad you've received grace. I'm so glad you received the love of God. But now we have a responsibility. Amen. Let's get into the great white throne judgment. Great white throne. 
I love these kinds of conversations. I do because it reminds me to stay focused. It reminds me to live on purpose. It reminds me to buy up the time. Amen. And even if no one else sees your, your choices for Jesus, Jesus sees your choices. I, I do hope, I didn't settle on it, I probably should have gone back and spent a little more time on it, but I do hope that you really go back to what I said about being faithful to do what God's called you to do. I think we're going to be surprised that some of the people we thought were pretty big shots down here on earth are not the most rewarded in heaven. We don't know their heart, we don't know their motive, we don't know, and we're not here to judge them. That's what the Bible was telling us earlier. Why are we spending time judging other believers? They're going to have their own time to be judged before God. But I think you're going to one day be standing in that judgment seat of Christ, maybe on the sidelines, maybe. I don't know. Maybe there'll be a big jumbotron outside the courtroom. I have no idea how it's going to work. And you're going to see someone that you never even knew their name. They didn't even know what Instagram or Facebook was. And they never snapped any chat or nothing. It's going to be some, some grandma, some grandpa that no one knew their name, and all of a sudden you're going to see the face of Jesus light up, and you're going to see him sitting there clapping, and you're going to see the, 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 the grandstands of heaven stand on their feet and applaud, and you're going to be like, who is that person? Like, who is that person? And you'll be like, that was Sam Roberts. You're like, who in the world is Sam Roberts? I don't know, but Jesus was crazy about him. Did you understand? That was Samantha, Samantha Simpson. I don't know. You're like, wow, Samantha Simpson. You didn't know their name, but heaven knew their name. You didn't know their choices, but heaven knew their choices. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Because they're being evaluated based on their call, based on their obedience. Amen. It's not about the grand show or stage. It's about them being faithful to do what God told them to do. Great white throne judgment. Let me get to this. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Revelation, chapter 20. Book of Revelation, chapter 20. So remember that timeline. At the end of the millennial reign comes the great white throne judgment. This is the final judgment seat of God where everyone who had died... Um, other than those of us that have already been up there with Christ, this is everybody else that wasn't raptured, that wasn't resurrected uh, when Christ came, uh, that didn't die in Christ um, previously. These would be those that made it through the millennial reign. This would be every dead person um, from the beginning of time um, that weren't believers. Uh, they, will, they will be raised up to be judged at the great white throne judgment. But also, individuals that are judged there would be the devil. I love that. The Antichrist, the false prophet, but then the rest of us, right? But I just want you to see this um, in, in, in verse 1 of 20. I mean, just, just as a sidebar, but I just love this part of Scripture. Can I give you this part of Scripture just for fun? Oh, good. I was going to do it anyway, but I figured I'd ask to be polite. Verse 1, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He sees the dragon, that old serpent who is the devil, Satan, 
and he bound him in chains for 1,000 years. And, he th and the angel threw him in the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years was finished. I just want to say this because I think it's super cool that the Bible says an angel, an angel binds Satan, the serpent, the dragon, and then like throws him into the bottomless pit. I love this, that God didn't even give him the satisfaction of a named angel. Not Michael, not Gabriel, who knows? This could be Bob the angel. <laughs> Bob the angel. And he's been hanging out in all eternity just waiting for this moment. We haven't seen him in scripture yet. He wasn't necessarily on anyone's like flannel graph. This is just Bob the angel. But can you see how defeated and powerless the devil is? It's not some big archangel, just one, just one. Bob, we love you, Bob the angel. And Bob the angel shows up and he just lassoes the devil with a chain and he just, he hoves him into the bottomless pit. So sometimes we give the devil so much credit. Oh, the devil's doing some. All oh, the devil's doing some. You are filled with the Holy Spirit of God himself. He has multiple angels that encamp and encircle you. The devil's more afraid of you than you should be of him. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. And so that doesn't have much to do with the final Great Red Throne Judgment, but I just wanted to introduce you to Bob the Angel. All right, same chapter. After the millennial reign, go to verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. There is accountability to our life. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life by placing your faith in Jesus Christ on this side of eternity. This side of eternity. Say, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. And by grace, you are saved. Amen? Those that are judged according to their deeds don't have Jesus there because we are our sins were already judged in Jesus, okay? 
And if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life at that great white throne judgment, go enter into your rest. Praise God. But here's these great men and women one day who thought they were God unto themselves, who thought they would just live and they were famous and they had money and they had power. But in that moment, heaven and earth is rolled up. They're standing before the throne of God and they realize they never had any power at all. Are you understanding this? This is a reality. This is in God's book. This is in our book. This is in our timeline. This will happen. There will be a great white throne judgment day. And everyone that has ever lived that wasn't already resurrected with the Lord and raptured with the Lord and all that stuff, everyone else will stand before God in that moment. And I just needed to come in this rooted series. This is our final message in this series. I needed to come in this series and remind us of this fundamental truth. How you live matters. As a Christian, how you live matters. You have an appointment with Jesus. I just wanted to remind you to use your life wisely. But I also wanted to remind us that there is an end to all this, all of this. I love our nation. I love our nation. Can we just say, God bless America? I love our nation. I do. And I believe for the greatest awakening and greatest revival that this nation has ever seen, I'm still believing for the greatest days of this country in, ahead of it. I'm believing for the greatest evangelistic move of God around the world. And I pray we get to be alive, not only to see it, but participate in it. Amen. But no matter how much we love the United States, or no matter how much you love whatever country you might be from, maybe you're visiting, all of this is still going to get rolled up. And there's only one kingdom that remains. Are you understanding this? There's only one name that remains. And so we just got to get through all of this stuff sometimes. We get so sucked into, and we even delay our calling. We even delay our purpose, and we delay, we use, start using our gifts and talents for certain things, and we forget about that eternal stuff. And I'm trying to awaken you back up to the eternity that your heart is linked to, to do things and to make sure you're still focusing on the eternal things that neither moth or rust can corrupt or steal. Amen. And so today was just that good foundation to bring us back to accountability and reward. What are you doing with the time that you've been given? What are you doing with the grace you've been given? Amen. Go ahead and stand up as we close in a word of prayer. Did you get anything out of that today? Let's just celebrate God and celebrate his word, would you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what I want to do. I want to give you an opportunity today to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's number one. Number two, I want to give you space at these altars over on the sides to maybe have a conversation with God about how you're living your life. And to say, you know what? I need to get back on target with my calling. I need to get back on target with my purpose. You need to talk it out with God. But then the middle here, we're going to have our altar teams. And they're going to be ready to pray for you if you need healing, freedom, uh, need to talk to somebody. But let's start with first things first. Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes for the next just few moments, please? If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, 
your name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We want to make sure that that's happening right now. We've talked about it all day. It's by grace. It's not by your works. It's by grace. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So all of us need a Savior. The wages and penalty of that sin is death, separation from God, even hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. And the Bible goes on to say how to do this. It says, all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so today, you got to call. you got to ask Him to be your Lord, to be your Savior. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, if you need to get things right with Jesus, if you say, I need to call on the Lord to save me today, you've never done that, you cannot remember a time in your life that you received Jesus as your Savior, today's your day. Or you can say, you know, I used to have this strong relationship with the Lord, but I've walked away. I, I just grown cold and I would like a fresh start. I want a fresh commitment to Jesus today. You're welcome to raise your hand as well when I count to three. Ready? It's time to decide. It's time to make a statement. It's time to call on the Lord. When I count to three, raise your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, put your hand up. There's one hand right there, I see it. Anybody else? Second hand back there, I see you. Keep it up so I can see you. There's the third hand in the back. I see you in the back, waving both hands. Anybody else? Anyone else today? Four, five, six. Anyone else? Seven. Awesome. Awesome. All right, church, let's all pray so no one's praying by themselves. Did you pray this prayer after me? Everybody together. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me. I believe that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you celebrate those seven? Praise God. Maybe you prayed that prayer at home. Welcome home. Congratulations. Altar team, if you'll come up. If you raised your hand today and you prayed that prayer with us, we're about to dismiss. And when we do, right over here, you'll see this blue area. It's called Starting Point. We have Bibles and curriculum, little, little daily kit to help you get started in your walk with God. If you'll just give us two minutes of your time, we would love to help you start this new faith in Jesus. The altars are about to be open if you need prayer for healing or freedom. But listen, if you need to have a conversation with the Lord about how you've been living, about the purpose and the talents he's given you, you want to kind of get that sorted, would you go to the far sides and just get on your knees before God and say, God, I need to refocus my life. I want to live for you. I want to use these talents and let him talk to you about what's next and get you started in living those callings out. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.